At Wheaton Park District, we manage 54 parks, dozens of playgrounds, tennis courts, and a mini golf and skate park. We have an accredited zoo, a county museum, multiple athletic fields and sports complex, two swimming pools, 150 acres of nature preserves, and a 27-hole golf course and banquet facility. Everything else is just a talk in the park. Please enjoy this interview with Ray Morrill. Okay, uh, I, I came to the district in 1972 uh, as a young recreation supervisor, pretty much fresh out of school. I had worked at the Naperville Park District for a year uh, after I graduated in 71. Came to Wheaton in 72. Um, Wheaton uh, had a, a, a good reputation as a, as a district that uh, had a lot of potential. Mm-hmm. When I first came in 72, my relatives all said, why did I want to move to a farm town uh, to go work? Because this was pretty far west at, at the time. Mm-hmm. And indeed, a lot of the land uh, south of Roosevelt Road was farmland. It was mm-hmm. still being farmed. Um, and so uh, it, when, when, you first, when I first came here, if you drove down Naperville Road, you had a beautiful, it was a two-lane highway, not a four-lane, and it was a two-lane and a beautiful canopy of trees that they have since uh, taken down and put in a four-lane road because progress, I guess. Um, but anyway, it was, uh, this, this had a reputation of being a, a farming community. Mm-hmm. Uh, people were moving west from the city and getting out of the uh, suburbs like uh, Brookville, where I grew up, and... Mm-hmm. Berwyn and, and Oak Park. Um, when I first got here, we had very few programs, uh, very few facilities. Uh, had didn't have a whole lot going for us. We didn't have a lot of staff. I think the Parks Department had maybe five full-time staff. Mm-hmm. Recreation Department had initially two full-time staff. Uh, then they cut it back to one and a half, um, trying to save money. Uh, but uh, there were two full-time secretaries, uh, a full-time business manager, and a director. So, I mean, we didn't have a whole lot of staff. There was just a handful of us. Uh, w- one of my first major purchases, actually, back then was, believe it or not, an electric typewriter. Uh, I wanted two electric typewriters, and the board didn't think we needed to go that expensive, mm-hmm. so they only bought one. <laughs> um, and our brochures were put together by our, our staff, ourselves. We mm-hmm. laid it out and we uh, uh, got it camera ready, is what they called it, camera ready, and then we'd take it to a printer and they would they would run it. Um, so it was a very, very kind of uh, inexpensive kind of operation. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, had a commissioner once when I was doing a, a movie theater program at Franklin Middle School on a Saturday, came and, and sat behind me at because I was actually doing the program. We didn't have staff to do things. Mm-hmm. And he, he said, you know, Ray, uh, people in Wheaton really don't want what the people in Naperville had. Mm-hmm. We just like to keep things simple. and. He was telling me basically, uh, don't go gung ho offering all kinds of programs because people aren't going to want them. 
Yeah. Well, my motto was, was then and still exists even now, is we ought to provide something for everyone. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was my mantra th throughout my years. And uh, that's what I worked towards. If somebody came up with an idea and said, how about this? My attitude was, okay, let's try it and see if it goes. Mm -hmm. Somebody, if they want to sign up for it, they will. If they don't, they won't. And so um, we, we moved on from there. A lot of people probably don't know that the uh, original north side pool mm -hmm. is under the sled hill. Okay. You probably know that. Yeah. Uh, but it's under the sled hill, and it actually was one of the back in back in the day they built pools above ground. Mm -hmm. So um, it, our pools now are built into the ground. These yeah. pools in the in in the in the sixties and fifties were built above ground. You could walk around the whole pool on an inside you know, catacombs. Um, but anyway, that pool, they, they buried, instead of removing it, they just knocked it down and buried it under the hill. And then they, they built Northside Pool. And, and another thing probably people don't know, that uh, Northside Pool um, was built on revenue bonds. And revenue bonds, is, it's a unique way of uh, building something. Mm -hmm. It's where you get your, somebody buys the bonds, and in this case, there was a bank in Iowa bought the bonds. And then through the revenue generated from the pool operation, we paid those bonds back. It was like a mortgage. Mm -hmm. uh, they don't do that anymore. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it was actually kind of unheard of then. But it's a, it's a, a different little tidbit that, uh, that they couldn't pass a referendum to build a pool. Mm -hmm. So they went the route of a uh, issuing revenue bonds, and, and it was kind of creative, actually. Um, there was a, a building, and you know, I, I don't even know if it's still there. It was, it's the Acne Screw Company. Mm -hmm. um, Acne Screw Company, uh, I, well, I know it was for sale, so, and it's near the tra tra train tracks. Uh, um, on the north side of north side of the tracks, near the Lincoln Marsh. That was where we ran uh, our adult 16-inch softball leagues, hmm. and there was a hall, a big hall that that was a part of this building that they rented to us uh, for our senior programs, mm -hmm. and especially for our se senior luncheons. Mm -hmm. um, when we uh, acquired the property at Graff Park next to Monroe Middle School. Mm -hmm. We moved the 16-inch softball to the lighted field behind Monroe. Mm -hmm. So we no longer needed the athletic fields at Acne Screw. And I didn't feel that the amount of rent that we were paying mm -hmm. at, at Roach, we called it Roach Community Center, uh, I, I didn't feel that the amount of money we were spending on that was worth it. So we got out of that lease and uh, uh, moved all the senior programs from that point on were at the uh, Leisure Center or Memorial Park building or, yeah. you know, Mary Local Center now. <laughs> uh, names changed. Uh, but uh, the interesting thing about the 16-inch softball, when we moved it over behind Monroe, the district wanted to use grass seed to, to seed the outfield. Mm -hmm. And uh, 
the softball league, we, we hadn't had good luck with doing our own grass seeding in the park district. We weren't that sophisticated back then. Mm -hmm. And so the uh, softball league uh, players, they decided they would raise money and, and put sod down. Mm -hmm. And so we did, a, did some fundraising, raised the money, got the sod, laid it down over a weekend, and we're ready to play. Uh, a commissioner back, back in the day was uh, Jim Papa George who uh, was very active in, in 16 in softball. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, he, he kind of spearheaded all of that. So over the years, I've had some really good commissioners I've worked with, mm -hmm. and I've had some really bad ones. Uh, I've had some great staff, mm -hmm. and I've had some bad ones. But I think that's kind of typical of uh, anybody's relationship, uh, you know. Yeah over a course of 49 years now. Mm -hmm. And by the time I am done with my term as a commissioner, it, it'll be pretty close to 50, and that's enough. <laughs> uh, I, I'm trying to pick up some, some of the tidbits, things that people maybe don't realize or think about or knew. But uh, again, when I first came here, Ratchy Parkhouse, mm -hmm. which is used for preschool now, um, and it, well, it was used for preschool then too, so it's still being used for preschool to this day. My kids went to preschool there. Um, in the basement, it was three small rooms, uh, kind of like divided up into storage rooms, and it had a dirt floor. So when I got here, I, I thought, you know, we we're really need space in which to run programs. We don't have anything. Mm -hmm. And uh, <clears throat> so we took the walls down, put concrete on the floor, and ran programs out of the basement of the Ratchy Park House. Yeah. Now, and the first program I ran in there was uh, belly dancing, which was, uh, again, something that no nobody else was doing. I didn't know if it would be offensive mm -hmm. uh, to people in the community or not, but it was a, it's a great aerobics exercise program. So uh, first program down there was belly dancing. And uh, we didn't have a separate exit to get out of the basement. You only had the stairs going down like you would have in a mm -hmm. typical house. Um, so as time changed, it became apparent that, that we needed to have another exit to get out of there. So we eventually put a, a second exit out of, that, out of that building. So I don't know if they use the lower level of the basement now. I, I'm not quite sure. Uh, I know they do have preschool there still. Another issue that we tackled when, when I first started, and when I, when I say I, I'm not implying that I did any of this all myself. Mm -hmm. uh, it took a lot of staff, it took a supportive park board, took a supportive community, so it wasn't just me doing this stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it took a lot of people working together to, and, and it happened because they wanted it to happen. They were, they were hungry for it. Um, Cosley Zoo, I mentioned Paul Morris being involved. I can't remember the lady's name who donated it to us. Paula Jones. Paula. Mm -hmm. and she lived in Oak Park. She used to go to that, she called it a farm, uh, when she was a kid, and she always remembered that. She had no, no siblings or kids to uh, donate the land too if she passed away so mm -hmm. somehow Paul got involved with her and she donated it to the park district 
it was originally called Cosley Animal Farm, mm -hmm. and then got changed to Cosley Zoo. Um, and one of the first, it was supposed to be for farm animals and local DuPage County wildlife. Yeah. And then we kind of expanded and said, well, okay, Illinois wildlife. Mm -hmm. And now it's some are kind of exotic, yeah. <laughs> but uh, it's uh, it originally was supposed to be uh, farm animals and uh, native wildlife. And one of the first an wildlife animals that we ended up getting that were some fallow deer, and we got the deer from a doctor who had them in a in a pen in his backyard. He lived in West Chicago and had a lot of property. And he, he was he was a scientist kind of doctor, so I, th I think they probably were experimenting with these deer. Um, but he wanted to you know get get rid of some of his uh, fellow deer, so we went over there as crazy as it was. Uh, Jerry Douglas, myself, and a guy named Arnie Biondo, um, who um, was my intern at the time. Um, we went over there with with a net, a, like a cargo net, mm -hmm. and we were trying to catch these deer by lassoing them and <laughs> and putting uh, putting the net over them, and, and we were able to get one after about three or four hours of running around <laughs> in this pen, and it had been a wet day too, so that even made everything worse. And it was funnier than all get out, but. In hindsight, when you think back at it, it was probably the most dangerous thing I've ever done mm -hmm. because th th these deer were not happy with us being there. Mm -hmm. uh, so that that was so. Cosley got some fallow deer, and from there it, it went on to bigger and better things. Uh, another facility that uh, uh, people don't really talk much about anymore was Washington School. Mm -hmm. uh, Washington School <laughs> was a uh, uh, school district closed it because of low attendance or, mm -hmm. and their changing demographics. And so we talked them into leasing the school to us for a dollar a year. Mm -hmm. And we convinced them that their mothballing it was going to cost them money because you still have to heat it and light it and maintain yeah. it. And, and we said, for a dollar a year, we'll do all of that for you. Mm -hmm. And we'll run it for recreation programs. And then when you want it back, you give us six month notice and we'll vacate and you can have it back. And so they finally, they agreed to that. And uh, so we used Washington School until they did decide that, yeah, they needed it back as a school. And mm -hmm. that became the impetus for us to run a referendum so in 1986, we ran a referendum for 25 cent increase in the recreation tax. Mm -hmm. That, I believe, was the very first such rep referendum in the state. Um, maybe the first that passed, at least. Um, and the idea behind it was, a lot of people would, would run a referendum for what they called general obligation bonds to build a facility. But then once you build a facility, you don't have any more money in which to run and operate, maintain it, and pay yeah. for depreciation. And and in the case of a community center, which we wanted to build, and a swimming pool, which we wanted to build, we knew that neither of those facilities were going to make money. Mm -hmm. now, the pool, maybe. The community center, I said from day one, we're going to lose 
quarter of a million dollars a year on it to operate it. Mm -hmm. Staffing, utilities, upkeep, and that kind of thing. So instead of going GO bonds, general obligation bonds, we went with a recreation tax increase with the idea that that money would generate enough money to not only build the facility, pay, pay the debt on the facility, and continue to pay for the operation upkeep and maintenance and any losses that it would have. So it, 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 was, a, it was a great way to run a referendum, and it was, a, it was I think, a, uh, a boon to the, to the Park District, but really gave us the money to start doing the things that, that, that the community wanted and, mm-hmm. and that we wanted to do. Uh, we not only built Rice Bowl Water Park that way, we built uh, um, the community center. We remodeled Northside Pool. We remodeled the Memorial Park building, which is now the Mary Lovecote Center. Uh, <clears throat> we upgraded all our athletic facilities. And so we had the money and the wherewithal to do some really good things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it helped make us one of the top park districts in the state, if not the country. Yeah. One of the things I, I'm, I'm really proud of um, is that uh, we wrote a park school agreement. When I first t- came here again, we, we didn't have a lot of cooperation with the school district. We had cooperation with some principals. Mm-hmm. Some liked us, and the rest of us didn't want us in their building. And, and I kept saying, you know, us, us is you. I mean, we're all one and the same. Your residents are my residents, and, yeah. you know, your school services people I service. So we, I, I wrote a park school agreement, and it was the second one in the state written. First one was written by the Peoria Park District in Pleasure Driveway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Theirs was a little more specific to their needs and what they were doing. Mm-hmm. I think ours was more encompassing. We have always done a lot of things for the school district. And in return, we asked that the school district let us have access to indoor space and outdoor space to run our programs. It's reciprocal. Their, their taxpayers benefit, our taxpayers benefit, and we're all one and the same mm-hmm. for the most part anyway. Um, so anyway, we, the, the park school agreement is still exists today. It's gone through a couple drafts, rewrites. Uh, in my my tenure, when I was working, we we rewrote it. Um, I'd had a triple bypass, so when I was home recuperating, I we sat down and re, reworded it just to make it simpler and easier to read. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it still, like I say, exists today. Mike wants to revisit it with the school district. There aren't a lot of communities who that have park school agreements. Mm-hmm. They have individual agreements on maybe individual projects, but nothing that is comprehensive for the whole district, for their district, our district. So it, it is something I'm, I'm, I'm really proud of and, and really serves the community very well. Um, out of that came our uh, getting uh, what I would call the control of their adult education program. Hmm. They ran an adult education program for a a number of years, and 
I complained all the time that, that you, you can't tell me that a women's volleyball class or an aerobics class or a men's open gym mm -hmm. is adult education. It's not, it's recreation. Yeah. And what you're doing is competing against me, taking away my participants and I'm taking away from your participants. Mm -hmm. And what we ought to do is rec recreation, you do education. Mm -hmm. They eventually turned the whole adult education program over to us. It was something that should have happened, needed to happen, and finally did happen. And the school district finally said, yeah, you know what, you're right. We don't really need to be involved in this. We got bigger problems to deal with than, than what are we going to do after school for adults. So that, that finally got turned over to us. Uh, one, of the, one of the biggest things that I, I really am proud of is uh, football, baseball, and soccer organizations there they were all independent organizations um, and in, I don't know of really many communities that the organizations fall under the park district sponsorship the way they do with us mm -hmm. uh, what happened was and it was by happenstance but the uh, president of the football board was going to move and he stored all their equipment in his garage. Mm. So they had nowhere to store their equipment, so they needed somebody to help them. And they also were finding that they had no good records of uh, income and expenses mm. and or tracking what equipment they even had, what they owned. So they came to me one day and said, you know, what if we... Uh, come under the sponsorship of the park district. Is that possible? And so I met with them for you know a few months, and we came up with a list of these are the things you will do for us. These are the things that we will do for you in return. And these are our expectations. And the main ones were that their budgets and finances all had to go through the park district, had to conform to financial, our financial uh, procedures, and that their equipment became our equipment. Um, and that we would serve on, one person from the rec department would serve on their board, uh, and that we would have a say-so in how the program was going to be organized and run. Mm -hmm. And as much as I wasn't a real proponent of competition, I've all, all felt that if we were involved, maybe we could keep the competition at a reasonable level. Because mm -hmm. parents, and especially in these youth sport leagues, they get a little crazy. Mm -hmm. So football was the first to, to come. And so it was just a two-page letter that signed off by me, signed off by their board president. <clears throat> no lawyers involved. Uh, actually, the park board wasn't even involved. I simply told them what I was doing, and they said, fine, go ahead. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so then baseball came to me and said, you know, it seems to be working out what you're doing with football. What about if we do that with baseball? And, and so we sat down, and again, we met, and I met with their board, and we came up with a list of the things that they would continue to do and things that we would do for them. And uh, 
again, their equipment became our equipment. Their finances had to go through us, and mm -hmm. they had to conform to our procedures. And that was, always, that was a big challenge with baseball because they hired umpires who were 12 years old, mm -hmm. so they're too young to actually be working. Yeah. Uh, but they hired kids 12 years old, and they paid them cash. Mm -hmm. And I said, you can't do that anymore. That now they got to be 14, and now they have to get a check, mm -hmm. and they have to go through our payroll. And so that was that was a challenge to work out over the years. Yeah. Um, so, but we finally we did, and baseball then evolved into baseball and girls softball, mm -hmm. um, and that, that relationship has existed ever since. And I served on their board for over 10 years. Uh, John Kelly, who was on our park board, Bob Fry, who was on the park board, was a past president. Um, Terry Mee was a coach in the program. So it's, uh, it, 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 it's like I say, it's, it's unusual to have organizations, mm -hmm. independent organizations that had their own way of doing things, their own boards, all of a sudden say, you know what? We want to work with you because we think we're going to get a better product out of it. Mm -hmm. And soccer was a little bit more challenging. Mary Beth Cleary was actively involved in bringing that one together. There were two soccer organizations, uh, Falcon Soccer on the north side and Wheaton Wings on the south side. So we, we wanted to get the two soccer programs together as one mm -hmm. and run one soccer program. So that took us the longest and was the most difficult to negotiate because you were dealing with two separate boards. Mm -hmm. uh, but eventually it did come about and the Wheaton Wing Soccer Program became part of the Wheaton Park District. But I, I do take a lot of pride in the fact that we were able to bring them under our, our auspices, our sponsorship. Mm -hmm. And it's, it is unique to, to us as opposed to most communities don't do that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, Tui Park is another uh, uh, interesting park that uh, has some history. Uh, I had always wanted to build a safety city program, mm -hmm. which, which in, always included would would include a circuit where the kids would go out and, and use their big wheels and go on a, kind of a, a, a street and or. Uh, have small buildings and, and, and stop signs and stop lights and that kind of thing. But you also needed an indoor space in order to run an actual classroom, which is probably as is important, maybe even more so than the outdoor circuit. The outdoor circuit is fun, the classroom is where they really learn about safety. So Kiwanis came to us one day and uh, said that they, for their, I think it was their 75th anniversary, wanted to have a project and they thought safe, a safety city would be a, a good a good thing and I said you know you betcha I, I want to do that had wanted to do it for for years mm -hmm. so we started looking for a location where we could have a building whether it was a building was there or we would have to build something or and plus parkland and parking space for for people uh, so there is land along Brighton Lane, Brighton Road, mm -hmm. uh, in South Wheaton, yeah. that was a, uh, and I don't know 
that don't remember all the facts behind it, but it was it was uh, a, a non-for-profit organization owned it. It was like a church. And there was a, a, a building there that housed uh, uh, women who, un unmarried women who were gonna have babies. Mm -hmm. And then there was also a, a building there that um, was uh, used, half the building was used by teenage boys and the other mm -hmm. teenage girls, and then the staff were in the middle. Uh, delinquents, kids who were having trouble at home. Um, so we found out that this property was available, and so we went there and originally were looking at the, all the property, all of it. Mm -hmm. And look, we were looking at it with the school district because they at the time were talking about rebuilding Hubble School. Hmm. Hubble was at what was used to be the Wheaton Central High School, which is now our uh, ath uh, central athletic mm -hmm. complex. Um, but it was, at, it was Hubble, and, it, and they knew they needed a new one. And so we looked at that whole property with the school district and said, well, you can build your school here, and we'll keep this, this one little building, mm -hmm. and we'll do our safety city in that one little building. The school district finally decided that it wasn't the best move for them. It either wasn't enough land or I think they really wanted to get it closer to Warrenville. Mm -hmm. um, so they backed out. Well, uh, Joe Kine, his son was interested in buying the property. Hmm. And Joe didn't want, Joe had also been talking to us about Safety City because we were trying to get him involved. We knew he had money. Mm -hmm. and and he had had land and he had the wherewithal to try and get something like that done. So he, he came to us and he says, you know what, what if my son takes two-thirds of this property mm -hmm. and you buy the last third that has this house that, that was divided into two for two groups of kids mm -hmm. and you can put your safety city outside the, the back door. Mm -hmm. So we... we we went and looked at it, and it actually is was an ideal location and an ideal situation. We could we could develop at very little cost the uh, building into two large classrooms for the kids. We had some office space in the middle for staff, mm -hmm. basement with storage, and we put the safety city circuit out on on the back. I'd put put a blacktop down and fenced it in and did the circuit and Qantas built the safety city for us. So Qantas built the safety city, the outdoor circuit, paid for it. And we paid for the interior remodeling of the building. So it was a, it was a great partnership and ended up, at, and it still is a, a great program. So uh, and Arrowhead Golf Course, I had mentioned that uh, Arrowhead became available, and Roger and, and Bob, Roger Tui, uh, a great commissioner, mm -hmm. passed away. He's long, long passed away. And Bob Dunsmere, they went to see a guy named Jerry Bradshaw, mm -hmm. also a great guy. He was the president of the Gary Wheaton Bank at the time. It's yeah. Chase now, it's right down here. Mm -hmm. um, and within a few hours, just with a handshake from what I've been told. Mm -hmm. 
they walked out with the money they needed to buy the golf course. And so, and it probably was one of the smoothest, best moves we've ever made. Now, I'm sure there were people at the bank working on all of the the legalities of it all, but uh, basically it was, the Park District wants to buy this golf course. This is how much money it's going to be. We need some money. We need we need it now. We need it fast because they want to sell. Yeah. And Jerry said, you got it. And so we bought Arrowhead. Um, I'm, I'm proud of the fact that we've got four gold medals, mm-hmm. 1984, 1990, 1996, and 2005. There are very few park districts in the country who have four. Mm-hmm. And I almost think that and we have applied for it since, I know Mike's applied for it a couple times. I almost think they, they won't let us be a finalist or, or let us win a fifth because they just don't want anyone to have five. <laughs> um, but anyway, it, I, I'm proud of the fact that we had four gold medals. That, that, that was a big deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, I, I think that Bob Dunsmere does not get enough credit mm-hmm. for advancing the Wheaton Park District. And, and one of the questions that you had asked is, why did I stay here? Mm-hmm. I stayed here because of him. He, was, he let me do my job. He encouraged me to do, do what I wanted to do, and he always was there to support me. And I always had a park board that supported me as well. So, you know, the fact that it's a, it's a great community, Bob was a great leader to work for. Um, could be frustrating at times, but nonetheless very supportive. And, and the board was, for the most part, uh, pretty good. Mm-hmm. You know, you figure if you, at one time we had five board members, um, and then we changed to seven, mm-hmm. and um, I think it was five board members at six-year terms, yeah, that's and right. then we changed to seven, and it was a four-year term. So you got more board members, shorter commitment, you would hope there's more involvement. So, you know, if you get one or two bad board members, mm-hmm. that's okay. I mean, it's not fun, but you can live with it. Yeah. You know, as long as the majority of the board members are good people that, you know, are positive and supportive, then then the naysayers you can just take for what, what they're worth. Um, I, I think some of the, the favorite programs that, that I've been involved in the recognition mixer it comes to mind as being probably one of the the best mm-hmm. and the recognition mixer started out as the park district the city and the school district <clears throat> would put on a <clears throat> a christmas party mm-hmm. for their key staff and board members volunteers their commissions or their foundations uh, people that they uh, vendors that they liked and that were good to them. Um, it was a way to celebrate Christmas and to bring us all together mm-hmm. as uh, cooperating agencies and um, um, and, and just just to just to, to be in a, a less formal setting to get to know each other better. Mm-hmm. That went along for a few years that way and then finally, 
we decided that uh, the school district and the city weren't really taking much interest in in the event. Mm -hmm. They were they would participate to a degree. They paid their fair share, but they they weren't enthusiastically involved. Mm -hmm. So we decided we would we would change it. And I don't think it was even called a recognition mixer originally. It became a recognition mixer, where we said that we would invite, we'd do it in February because it's kind of a down month, mm -hmm. and we, uh, again, we invited all of the baseball boards, football boards, soccer boards, the foundations that we work with, mm -hmm. uh, vendors and pe people who donated money to us would all be invited. We would still invite the school district and still invite the city mm -hmm. and invite the county board members. And we, but we hosted it as the Wheaton Park District in cooperation with uh, Cosley Zoo Foundation. Mm -hmm. And did it in February, did it ourselves, because we were doing all the work anyway. So we mm -hmm. figured, well, why don't we just take credit for it and, and yeah. go with it. So that evolved and, and it is probably one of the best events that, that we put on until this pandemic started. Um, Cream of Wheaton and the run for the animals, again, is, was, it was Cream of Wheaton, now they call it the Taste of Wheaton. Mm -hmm. To me, it'll always be the Cream of Wheaton. To Jane Hodgkinson, it'll always be the Cream of Wheaton. Mm -hmm. um, and the run for the animals, we used to, we, we, up until a year two ago we did a breakfast we did that mm -hmm. cooked outdoors and actually we cooked indoors initially there was a kitchen in the memorial park building uh that we used and uh we we cooked right in there pretty tight quarters for four people and some tables and all these cooking pots and pans and stuff but we did it indoors and then and then when we we finally got the the big grill we moved it outdoors. Mm -hmm. um, became a, a lot, a lot better situation, a lot more fun. So the cream of Wheaton and the Run for Animals were were great events. Cosley Classic Golf Outing, a great event, a lot of fun. Uh, initially, there were as many as 350 people playing and, and coming to dinner and, and lunch, mm -hmm. and um, now it's around 120. Uh, but there's a lot of competition for golf outings, so it makes it a little bit more difficult. Um, but uh, the Cosley Golf, golf uh, is, is, is another great event. You get to see a lot of people in the community mm -hmm. uh, that maybe normally we, we don't get to see. Um, I ran for the board in uh, 2007. And I did so because I didn't like, honestly, the direction the district was going in at the time. Mm -hmm. And it was obvious that other people didn't like the direction the district was going in because I think there were seven people running for four seats. Mm -hmm. And none of the incumbents were running. So it kind of sent sent a message. Yeah. Uh, I ran because I... I I loved the Park District. Uh, it had meant so much to me for 34 years. I raised my family in Wheaton, uh, and I just didn't like to see where we were headed. Um, and since then, I, I think 
uh, the district is in, in, in great shape. I think we've got great board members. I like all of them. Mike, I think, does a wonderful job. Um, we have a wonderful staff. They're, they're, they're really clicking. And so I've got nothing but positive things to say about them. Um, and this has been a tough year. It's, yeah. uh, it's tough on any, everybody. Yeah. Great. Well, yeah, thanks so much for sitting down with yeah, me. Yeah, I hope this comes together. I'm sure it will. You guys all do wonderful work. So. Thank you for listening. Be sure to download, rate, share, and subscribe to A Talk in the Park wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow the Wheaton Park District on Facebook and Instagram at Wheaton Park District. Additional information on Wheaton Park District programs and services can be found at wheatonparkdistrict.com. Until next time, this has been A Talk in the Park. A Talk in the Park is a production of the Wheaton Park District.